Where's the cream filling? When you come in on Posted. Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? What's the worst day of the week that gets us all depressed? M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Here comes more aggravation and a brand new week of stress. This is your host of Monday Suck, Dane Alves. Uh, you know, just having another episode. I apologize for not having one last week. I was a bit under the weather, and uh, yeah, that's what happens sometimes in life. But uh, either way, we have an episode today, a short review episode that is long overdue, and I'm very excited to talk about it and break it down. Uh, first, uh, my brother, uh, you know, uh, Luke Alves. Luke, I almost said your old name of your basketball show, but uh, go ahead and plug that and, uh, just, you know, say hi to everyone. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Um, the show, the new one he's talking about is uh, NBA Geekly. Um, we've switched days. Uh, we worked out with Dane and uh, his wrestling show, so we switched days to uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So, uh, yeah, check us out every uh, week on NBA Geekly. And uh, uh, the man – that is the reason with myself of those said changes because of all the crazy wrestling. Uh, Christopher Brother Ray Patton also joining me tonight. How are you doing, sir? How was your hockey show? Oh, it was great, man. That should actually be getting posted up uh, either later tonight or early tomorrow morning for everyone to listen to. Uh, that's uh, Skates to Throats. Obviously, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Just look for Skates to Throats. It'll show up for sure. Um, we talked about some uh, – talked about – uh, everything that was going on in the world and, and inducted some people into the Hall of Fucking Awesome, which was our show's Hall of Fame. So it was it was a good show overall. How was uh, how was your Monday, Dane? It sucked. It sucked. <laughs> who, who was that, Chris? Who was I doing impersonation of? Uh, Brian Alvarez. It sucked. <laughs> Fucking wrestling journalist Brian Alvarez, like you said. Well, anyways, uh, guys, this is Monday Suck. If you haven't figured it out, it's just a uh, it's a show where I come on uh, every other Monday and break down whatever I want to break down, basically. And uh, me and Chris were talking about ideas uh, for future episodes, as in reviewing movies and coming on here and just giving our, our you know, whether it be a movie that we've seen a bunch of times or not, you know, something like that. And I do a little bit of everything, music, politics, what have you. Uh, but, yeah, you can catch us every other Monday, or catch me, I should say, sometimes with both of these uh, fine gentlemen at uh, 6 p.m. EST. It's usually when I drop it. And uh, check out Wrestling Geeks Alliance if you guys are into wrestling. It's every Thursday at 7 p.m. and also Saturdays at 12, or noon, I should say. So, uh, yeah, that's where we break down uh, some pro wrestling and, uh, yeah, geekvibesnation.com. Guys, go there for news for all of our stuff uh, that's geek-related, for comic books and sports and movies and everything in between. Uh, you can go there and uh, check us out audio-wise, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And if you want to listen to us live when we drop, it's off of Blog Talk Radio. We also have Instagram 
Twitter, and Facebook links, and just search Geek Vibes Nation if you'd like to join the conversation. All right. After I just got all that stuff out, let's uh, let's switch it to talk about a uh, a fun television show that I really enjoyed, ten episodes long on Hulu, a biopic, but I would say not so directly like it it, it, it was different. I would say you know if like if you compare Wu Tang, an American saga, to something like Straight Outta Compton, Straight Outta Compton was very much a biopic of how you would do it about a certain artist. To me, Wu-Tang kind of gave you these characters, and if you knew much about the group of Wu-Tang Clan, you knew where they were going, but anyone could could watch this and just see these different characters interact and just enjoy it on that level as well. And uh, I have to give it up to Rizza as being one of the producers and getting this together. This was an epic concept I love all the elements of, of everything, you know, from street life and seeing it in that perspective to kind of comic book or, or uh, you know, um, martial art movie uh, stuff and just learning a lot about each member of the group. I know that some of it is more loose than other parts of the, uh, the bio uh, itself, but I thought it was an awesome series, and I was really uh, happy, you know, Woo Wednesday, man, every time Wednesday came out. Let's check out the next episode about Wu-Tang Clan. But while I'm gushing all over this, I know that both of you guys enjoyed the uh, the season as a whole, the series, I should say. Luke, uh, l- just let me know, what were your, what were your you know, highlights, or what did you like about this first season of Wu-Tang and American Saga? No, I thought it was just really well done. Um, uh, just everything was pretty, uh, you know, pretty um, – put together greatly i liked a lot was that hulu didn't just release it all at once i like the woo wednesdays i know a lot of these streaming websites will just give it at once and just get the binge but i kind of like you know the old concept of waiting every week and all that and and each episode um you know it can build up for the next one i mean there's a lot to highlight i thought um one of my um you know it was a very uh pretty harsh episode i want to say it was the end of the fourth episode or the third, and um, that was when I can't think of the guy's name right now. Um, the one of the um, Method Man's uh, best friends when he gets uh, gets hey. killed right in front of everyone. That was just a very just intense episode. Just starting off, just really letting you show, and like you kind of built these like you know like character, like you you're invested in some of these characters, and you know like he's not part of the Wu Tang and all that, but it was just like another character that they they had you invested in, like you're saying, Dane. Um, you don't really need to know the whole clan and every single one, but you could just pick up the show and just follow, um, you know, get, get invested in these characters. So that was, you know, one of my highlights. I mean, I definitely liked how it went into just uh, RZA and um, him showing like his uh, like early ages of uh, Prince Rakeem. I thought that was really cool. I, I definitely liked the episode too at the end where he really played that music video that he had done in um <laughs> Looking back at it, uh, I, it's just – it's going to be a failure. Like, everything that they did in that music video, I was just looking. I was like, I mean, I know hip-hop wasn't that big at the time, and it was still in its early, like, you know, about to blow up and all that. But it's just like, why would you try to promote something like that? So even I kind of just saw the writing on the wall for him at that point. But it just – like I said, just a great overall um, series. Loved how they ended it, too. I just – we'll probably get into that a little bit more. But – um. Definitely love how they they gave you almost a, a, not a, like a big cliffhanger, but you know a very serious cliffhanger of like you know 
what's next and all that. So I'm I'm happy they didn't just jump into, you know, Wu Tang blowing up because as we all know, their first album sets them off and it's just it's just it's quick from that. So like I'm happy, you know, they the whole saga and all that starting, you know, way back of when. So just I'm hoping it's still a season or two away from, you know, where we'll be at later on in Wu Tang. Yeah, and, and like you said, and I've talked about this on the show before in the past, the Prince Rakim stuff really hit me because it showed me that back in 94, they were still, this is one of them, instead of being worried about artistry and someone that's good at producing and, and lyrics and everything else, just stripping that away from him and his character and just trying to make him an IP for that, uh, you know, production company. And obviously, uh, you know, and this is that's the, the, what happened with the tape is is actually what happens at, at least from what everyone says allegedly in real life is that that was never supposed to happen. Someone got a hold of it that worked for an upper label, and then that's kind of how it happened. Now we know what happens at the end of the the show. And and by the way, guys, if you don't know out there, we're going to be doing spoilers. So just here on out, just uh, you know, uh, spoiler warning, basically. Anyways, uh, you know, with him and Attila at the end and, and, and uh, Bobby shooting Attila and what is that going to happen, like you said, or the pregnancy, you know, there's a lot of stuff that will be incorporated that if they make a second season and it looks like this, song, this show did a really good job in a number for Hulu, that we will see that happen uh, next year. But uh, Chris, give me, uh, you know, a little bit of what you liked about the show and uh, just an overall uh, you know, appreciation, or if you hated it, let me know, man. Are you a hater? Are you a fucking hater? No, I, I actually liked the show. I mean, I thought there were some things that were a little heavy-handed in the very beginning, but it was setting up kind of this late 80s, early 90s New York City vibe with, you know, kind of the grip of crack on the on on the uh, neighborhoods and, and just building towards those characters and how they were to make their money and, and get this, uh, get that stuff pulled off. But uh, I think they did a good job towards the end. Like to me, like uh, from about episode four or five forward, it really got into the swing of things, more telling you the intro of how Wu-Tang came to be, uh, specifically, you know, the the Rakim stuff, which we'll get into a little bit later and in, in kind of his failed uh, original career with the way the label handed him, as you were alluding to. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed the show. I would say if you're going into this, you're listening to this, you haven't seen the show maybe check it out before we get further into it. But also if you're just looking for a straight document, you know, documentary, this is not really the place to go. I would, I would probably recommend uh, of Mike's and men, which is the docu-series that Showtime put out and then maybe watch the show. Um, but yeah, overall I liked it a lot. And I think they did a good job of, of giving you some more uh, information about each of these characters and kind of showing you some backstory, for instance, uh, Bobby's character when they flash back to North Carolina, which like I said, I think we're probably going to get into some more individual things from the episodes. But, yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, man. And uh, I think that before we go into the episodes, I want to give a big shout-out to the cast. I thought that all of the guys that they got, you know, even even Ashton Sanders, who I don't think necessarily looks a lot like RZA, uh, he played him, and he had his mannerisms. If you see – in interviews and stuff like that, that's the way he, he kind of talks with his hands a lot. And I thought that he nailed it. I thought Shamik Moore that I've been raving over besides Into the Spider-Verse where he played Miles Morales, you know, dope. 
was an awesome fucking movie. It was like Boys in the Hood meets Superbad, and I was a big fan of it a couple of years back. Um, and just everyone. I, I forgot the actor's name that played ODB, but my God, dude, just on the friggin' money. And uh, just uh, really happy that I don't know if all of them are really necessarily rappers. I think some of them are actors, and are, you know, just actors, basically. And at the end, where they're all in the booth, and they're all, uh, you know, putting their verses down for Protect Your Neck, their first single that makes them famous uh, off their first album, uh, 36 Chambers, you know, it just, everyone killed it. Everyone was built up great. I forgot the actor that played Ghostface Killer, but he fucking was awesome. So intense as, a, as an actor, and really made some of those scenes uh, with, with him and Bobby and him and, and his, uh, Bobby's older brother, Dennis, like just that much more intense with his personality and the way that he played Ghostface Killer. So really, really strong cast. Uh, the mother, too. Uh, I know her. What, what is her name? Uh, Erica Alexander, I, I think, uh, who played uh, Bobby's mom. Uh, just great job by everyone. His sister as well. But, uh, Luke, what do you think about the cast? No, I mean, I love the cast. I was definitely going to get into it. Um, I thought every single one of them was really well done. Um, TJ Ayton is the guy who plays Old Dirty Bastards, and he just gets – because, I mean, for a couple – for a lot of these guys, I mean, Old Dirty Bastards have been dead, you know, for a while, so it's, and they're, like, pretty young kids, so it's, like, to be able to, like, look back, and he just has, like, even, like, just the way he moves and just, you know, how ODB always is rapping and all that, just the all and, and how he's already got that, it's just – and just really just, it's, it's funny how he, he really does look a lot like him and just everything, his mannerisms, he's got it down to a pack. So I was definitely pleased on um, everyone casted on that. Um, Ghostface Killer, too, like you said, he was very intense. Um, him and Raekwon, their little feud right there, too. It's just both of the actors um, are doing a really good job, you know, just showing just they really don't like each other and just really intense at times. So overall, I just thought they were all good. Um, Method Man's even his character, he doesn't really look like Method Man. I don't, I don't feel like that much. I mean, but he just really plays him. I feel like he's got that, um, you know, it's like his his voice and all that swagger. It's kind, of, yeah, it's his whole swagger, and it's kind of funny. Just um, his backstory. I mean, I didn't know he was a a lacrosse player, like a really good lacrosse player. So that was like really cool, just to kind of get that whole little backstory on him. But yeah, I thought the whole cast was just put together really done, um, really well. I mean, helps when you know. Riza's producing and all that thinking, but I thought each one of them are just really good at each uh, each member that they play. Yeah, and uh, Jonelle Xavier Young, who plays uh, you know Riza's cousin Jizza, uh, he really shined. I think later on the season, you get to see his interpretation. The whole cast, though, like you said, T.J. Adams as ODB, just being able to take a character like that, someone that's known in pop culture just by himself. Uh, you know, and, and get his mannerisms, get the way that he kind of talks, and just, everything was perfect. Uh, Chris, what did you think about the cast of uh, this season, or the show, I should say? Uh, Ashton Sanders, I think, is doing a great job as Prince Rakeem, a.k.a. Bobby Diggs, uh, as we we know him from the, the show, and, and and that's basically their, you know, they go by kind of their before Wu-Tang names for most of this, so I'm sure we're going to get some of that back and forth, just putting that out there. But uh, probably my favorite casting, believe it or not, is, is the, uh, the the young lady that plays uh, Cherie Diggs. I don't want to slaughter her first name, but I think it's Zoe Griggs. I thought that she played kind of a, a dynamic character of wanting to be 
there for her family, be a good, you know, be good at school and, and have this broad love for theater and those kind of things. And then obviously later on in the show, um, we find out that she's pregnant, which to me is sets up great for the next season. Um, I like Shaw's character a lot as well, which is uh, Shamik Moore, which you talked about already. But there's not anything in the casting I just like – there was no character that I disliked. Some of them took a little bit longer to come around, but I think that, you know, the standout of the show for me was probably TJ Adams, as you guys have talked about already as ODB. Um, he really kicks into gear. I think when we, even when the season was still going on, I was like, yeah, the problem is there's not enough fucking DB, ODB on the show. Uh, so hopefully we get to see more of that. I loved uh, like as they're touring and they're about to get ready to, to release the, Prince Rakim album later on you get some pretty great ODB moments specifically around the uh, armadillo um, but yeah I, everything about the casting I liked for the most part there wasn't anything that was just there wasn't anyone that just stood out as like a terrible actor so uh, I think they kind of nailed it with with who they casted as ODB and, and I like uh, Ashton Sanders as, as Bobby Diggs like I said I mean, mo- basically the whole Diggs family was pretty well casted I'll say that for sure yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I don't know. Uh, the show just had a lot going on with it, and uh, let's let's start kind of going into the season itself. When we start off, it's a little just bit of an introduction, and it's with some heavy-handed shit right off the bat. Um, now, here's the thing. Like, I've heard different things. I have not gone 100% in on researching, so I'll just be honest with you. But I've heard from people that the whole thing that happened with Raekwon and Ghostface Killer, that something very similar to that actually happened in the past. You, either one of you guys know, just shout it out once I pass it to you or not. But either way, that is some shit that it introduces the fact that within Staten Island, you know, there's different projects that if you're repping New York, you know, you're a New Yorker. But if you go down smaller, if you're repping Staten Island, you're from Staten Island. But if you go down even smaller than that, there's still problems between projects. And the amount of hatred, you know, you have, you meet Ghostface Killer, and he's taking care of his mom, who's very distraught, and his two brothers that are both uh, handicapped. And uh, Raekwon kind of is told to shoot up a place that we're kind of assuming, or later on, between, you know, the fact that they knew each other, that he knew where the hell he was shooting and what he could be doing. And he shoots up uh, the apartment that, you know, uh, whatchamacallit lives, uh, Ghostface Killer lives. I'm going to go by their, their the musician names because that's a hell of a lot easier than trying to remember all their names from the show. So I'm just going to be straight up with you guys on that. Um, but, you know, while this is all happening, Bobby, I just said that, Riza is making his music. He's He's producing, he's perfecting. I love that, you know, it kind of shows that even him, when he's trying to mix and everything, he's got this grit to it. He's not trying to make it sound perfect. That's always been Riz's thing. He tried to actually make Staten Island, like, musically there, you know, as an entity uh, within how he does, like, produced. And uh, Raekwon tries again to hold, uh, to, you know, hold on to the gun that he basically shot up Ghostface Killer, and you get to meet the interaction of them being friends and knowing him as like a person between the two. And that is a big, big, uh, you know, part of that. And then we meet divine and, um, divine is his older brother, uh, Bobby's older brother. 
and uh, he's kind of within with Dennis when it comes to business as far as selling on the streets. We learn a lot about that whole aspect of of some of the stuff that's that's going on uh, within Staten Island, New York, and and like you were saying, Chris, with crack and uh, how bad it's getting. Um, and he gets uh, he gets in trouble, and uh, Ghostface Killer and 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 Riza have to kind of step up uh, in place of that. Uh, which gets them into some crazy stuff, but right off the bat, the show, it, like you said, Chris, it's got some heavy, heavy shit, but I still really liked it. I liked the introduction of everyone. You got to meet the mom. You got to meet the sister, like you said, another great active performance within it, and a lot of the other characters. What do you think about the introduction, at least, with the beat between Raekwon and Ghostface Killer with him shooting up his apartment, uh, you know, district? Chris? Well, I don't know for sure the validity of whether this drive-by occurred or not. Um, I do know that in the past, Riz has talked about Raekwon and, and Ghostface actually hating each other. Um, <laughs> and, and he actually, I think he said in one interview previously that I had heard that you have to be uh, – enemies that become friends become best friends because they see a side of, of people most other people don't get to see, which is that hatred um, that, that I guess formed into love as we kind of see as the show goes along, I'm assuming – but uh, yeah, as far as that first question you asked me, I don't I don't know for sure. But yeah, the first episode, um, I think I think you had to start off with something kind of strong to hook people, and that was a good way to do it, especially with him coming to Bobby, who's I, I'm going to call him the Sweden of the show. He doesn't really want to get involved with uh, either of these two feuding projects, uh, but he ends up hiding the gun, um, which later comes back as, as we, as we find out later on in the show, but it does do a good job of introducing some of the characters um, coming out of the first episode. Uh, it, it was one of those things where it's like, well, where are they going to go with the show? But you do get to see some of uh, the beat creation by Bobby, obviously um, his love for <laughs> martial arts films is just displayed right there in the very first episode, even through the credits. Uh, I like the, in, uh, the intro to the show itself, I think is pretty great with uh, like killer bees being in there. And, uh, you know, just some allusions to different songs that the Wu-Tang have done throughout their career, as well as what's going to be going on in the current season. So even from like the start to the end of the episode, I thought it was pretty well done. Um, I will say the first like two episodes weren't my favorite of the season, but it does pick up pretty strong. Like I said, uh, to me, around episode four or five, and then the rest of the episodes are just pretty fucking phenomenal, in my opinion. Luke, what did you think about the introduction and what happens between all of them? Uh, you know, just like he said, kind of RZA being sweet, and if you will, between Raekwon and Ghostface Killer. No, I think it was the best way to definitely introduce the show. You're trying to really like show the audience what like late 80s early 90s new york especially staten island uh was like i mean it's definitely crime riddled i mean cracks definitely ruling over the island and all that so to open up an episode where you have two of the main people in a wu-tang and uh like chris was saying i had read to that they did not like each other i don't know if this is a true story but i did know uh that they did not like each other for a while there in the beginning stages. And it took a while for them to like grow and really um, the friendship that they have, but just the way that, that they open just definitely pulls you in quickly. And um, I, I agree with you guys that RZA, uh, they definitely show RZA as being that, that guy that doesn't want to get involved with either one of the projects. He doesn't want to see Staten Island as, um, you know, something that's split. He wants to kind of see it uh, as like, you know, union 
uh, like unified and all that. And it's always like, like you were saying earlier, Dane, like how he wanted to make the whole music Staten Island. It's thing. It's always been Riz's, Riz's kind of thing. So I liked how they just kind of showed that he's really been always invested in music. I mean, um, I kind of knew too, like the the whole crack game. They had to they had to probably be involved with it too to make money and all that. So I like how they don't really shy away from that. That that they were, this was something that they had to do to get by and all that. I mean, it was just it was happening. It was it was in the streets. It was, you know, it's not something that they can shy away from, but. Just like you were saying, Dane, how he's making those beats, and like you can kind of see it too, like um, when you uh, those early beats that like where he's gonna get to musically. Like at first, you know, he's not as confident. Um, his brother definitely is not invested. He doesn't really see the whole point of it. He just kind of sees it as a you know like a hobby for for Rizzo. Well, Rizzo really is trying to take this in, and it's kind of cool where. He has two best friends that don't like each other, but they are like two of the like sickest rappers that he knows, and like he's trying to get them to see how you know gifted they are, but they're just so caught up in the game that they don't really see that that's a way out. And it's really interesting for early hip hop, you know, where where it is today and all that. That making music wasn't really seen as a way to get out of the projects, and that was just a waste of your time and all that. So I thought they did a great job. Just um, episode one, you know. Really coming. I could I could see how it is kind of slow the first two episodes. I mean, they got to get you like the the build up and all that. But I just they just did a good job just continuously um, each episode growing throughout the series. I agree. I agree. And the next episode, oh man, this was a it was it was a hairy episode. The whole concept of episode three was we we got introduced to this. I forgot what the uh, the character's name is, but he's friends with everyone. He's really funny. Um, it's a good dude. He knows Bobby's mom and, and, you know, visits at the Italian restaurant that she works at. Well, he did some stuff that pissed off basically the big drug dealer, if you will, that's kind of featured in the show, this Jamaican gentleman. Um, and that's one that Raekwon and the guy that Raekwon kind of looks up to that's trying to get him more involved in some of the crime going on, um, you know, they're a part of this. They're, they're, they're associated with it. And we also kind of meet a business partner, Hayes, that will kind of come up uh, later on in another unfortunate event. Either way, the friend of theirs that knows Bobby really well, knows his mom, comes to the Italian restaurant and shortly after that gets shoot out, or shot up right outside of it. Um, and, you know, the next episode's about the funeral and uh, Divine, uh, Bobby's dad, or uh, Bobby's dad, Bobby's uh, brother gets out of jail um, He's back home. It's not the same. The funeral goes terribly because Raekwon comes to it, and it causes a huge thing between him and Ghostface Killer that just kind of goes back into their 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 problems with each other, if you will. So uh, it was it was another thing where some heavy stuff. Uh, the Italian restaurant, everything like that, it, it gave me a do the right thing kind of like vibe to it. Uh, the way that they kind of set that up, but I thought it was very very well done. Luke, what did you think about you know? Uh, this part of, of seeing a friend of theirs, and we're going to see another one of, of their friends later on, but a friend of theirs that's kind of introduced at the beginning, just slowly in the mix, and then seeing him get shot up right outside the Italian restaurant like it's nothing. Yeah, um, that episode, I mean, uh, it it really shows you, like, like, getting back to that point where his friend is, it's all this point where his friend ends up robbing the main drug dealer, the main Jamaican, and he gets caught because his friend's kind of flashy and he just really likes, you know, flashy things and all that. And 
early in that episode, I think he was maybe talking to Ghostface, where he has these custom Nikes or his custom shoes on. That's how he ends up getting spotted out. But it just shows you how, um, you know, everyone in that day is wanting to just outflash themselves. You know, they're all trying to, they're all hustling drug, you know, drug dealing and all that, but they're just trying to, you know, outshow themselves in the best chains. And it just really just like that whole episode's where, he can't get away from that. He needs this chains and all that. Like he just needs it. And he kind of slides away from everyone and all that. And then consequently, you know, he ends up getting killed and it just shows you just that, that whole time period where it's just, you know, everyone's out there, you know, on that grind and all that trying to outdo each other. And, and just in the end, it's just someone that, you know, he ended up robbing the wrong person and trying to show off with the chains and all that and ended up, you know, getting killed over it. And um, I think it does a good job. This is definitely the episode where it's kind of taking the point where I think some of the members are starting to see that they need to get away from this type of lifestyle that they're in. And, um, you know, maybe that this isn't the best, you know, career path for them because uh, I want to say his mom went in her little speech uh, because no one wants to really say anything at the funeral and all that. And she stands up and she's like, we need to stop killing each other. We need to come together and all that, but it, it's not worth it. And that it's just, it just maybe down the line a couple months from now, this could be someone else and all that. And we need to just stop killing each other. So it's just one of those episodes where it's a, uh, you know, a deep episode. It's, it, you know, one of their good friends. And I think it's the one that starts turning to like getting more musically, like that all of them should start, you know, looking elsewhere. Absolutely. Chris, what do you think? One of the cool dynamics of this episode, uh, something I don't think we've touched on yet, is they do a first-person video game view for Jason, who is uh, the unfortunate guy who got shot after robbing a drug dealer, which is never a good idea. Oh, yeah. uh, They do a first-person video game shoot of it, and he sees, like, what his life could have been as a, you know, a rap producer. He sees, like, Bobby spitting rhymes and then we flash to the funeral, and you get a very heartfelt speech by Jason's mom, who says everyone needs to stop fighting and learn to coexist. And then you get Bobby thinking about that, um, which leads into, of course, then finding out there's the battle in Staten Island, a rap battle uh, that kind of puts everyone together, uh, you know, kind of leading towards the end of the episode. But I, I like, I like some of the things that they did that people who love Wu-Tang kind of relate to, especially with the martial arts early on, uh, the, the music in general, obviously, but uh, the comics and then also video games. Like, uh, as everyone knows, Wu-Tang has their own video game. <laughs> so it was nice to see uh, some of those touches as well throughout this. But I thought that was a really cool scene. That was one that stood out there. But, uh, yeah, kind of kind of crazy leading into the battle of Staten Island, so to speak, only to get beat by, you know, some record label rappers from Brooklyn who weren't even supposed to be there, which is unfortunate, but it does kind of set up. It, it's alluding to the fact that that's not the type of rap that, you know, Bobby should be doing because he bombs on stage talking about his little swimmers uh, <laughs> flying into the fallopian. Jesus. <laughs> I think was the, uh, some of the reps that were, were spit, but you did get to see the rest of that crew and kind of how they came together. So uh, this was a really great episode. This is kind of where I turned around on the show and was like, okay, I'm in. You guys have hooked me. So, uh, yeah, really great episode. Yeah, I think that was a, another good point is all of them getting the raps together and trying this battle and stuff like that and, and kind of meeting Hayes as this character that's 
kind of shady, and he's helping out with, with drugs as far as, you know, when, when Dennis and Bobby come to him and uh, they fucked up with the crack because it got all freaking burnt up. Uh, you know, he's still willing to like help him out with trying to sell weed now when they start doing that before Divine comes home. And it's like, what are you guys doing? You're smelling, you're, you're fucking selling pot now? Are you kidding me? And of course, they're doing this thing, and it kind of like, oh yeah, the park. I love that Bobby, you know, it, he always goes back to this one older gentleman and plays chess with them. And Riz is a very intelligent guy, and I kind of like the way that they handled that and showing his brain structure, it was great. And then Bobby's mom, who gets uh, obviously involved a bit uh, in in the wrong direction, and even her boss, this Italian man that's been that she's been working with for years, doesn't mind letting these two other gentlemen, you know, kind of take advantage of her and threaten her for for money purposes. I mean, a lot of shit happens within a couple episodes, and I want to leave, uh, you know, the big event that happens on episode six by itself, but uh. A lot of building within it, you know, you get to see a lot more of the rapping stuff. Method Man kind of comes through a bit. You know, you get to see them at the record store that they always go back to and a lot of the artists that are becoming popular. And I, like you said, Chris, it was funny with the uh, with RZA having a lot of uh, everyone else going up there and killing it and him coming up and trying to just say some weird shit, and it didn't really work out for him. But uh, shit happens. But uh, Luke, what do you think about all this? No, I definitely loved the whole rap um, battle episode, even though that they were um, completely screwed out of that by the Jamaican group. But um, it really showed, you know, that a lot of them were really good lyrically. I mean, Ghostface comes, he kind of does it last minute. He kind of looks at his thing and all that and sets up the rap. And Raekwon, not at that point where he kind of, but he feels like he, he could definitely win in. You kind of all see them. And when that group where they're, they're kind of looking at him as like that three because back then groups weren't really like big yet. I mean, they did allude to um, Tribe getting that big record deal. Um, I want to say that was later on the episode where they're they're talking about that, how they got that all that money fronted, but it was just like groups at that time. But RZA kind of sees that all of them to like competing against each other was really hurting them because you know some of them are really good, but they're 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 ending up you know. They're, they're competing and taking away the fans where if they were to come together, but he, he still ha- doesn't have that confidence yet to where, to where he needs to pull them together and be like, this is where we do. But you can kind of see him like looking at that group and kind of looking at all of them from a distance and being like, you know, we're, there, there's some sick lyric, lyricists out here, but it's not going to work unless we work together. So I, I do like the whole, you know, everything's starting to build up every, and and you're just really trying to see like the, the true music coming out from, you know, RZA's inspiration of really coming together and, and want to make them a group and, and bring them to where they get to. And also, since I'm going to pass it to Chris, I kind of want to get your reaction because I just remembered it. We figured out a big important story aspect of this, and that is kind of Ghostface Killer's inconsistency with loyalty because he holds so much against Bobby at certain points of this show for what happened with Raekwon. And I mean, Granted, he held the pistol for him, but, you know, he doesn't know that yet. And there's a lot of animosity, and he seems to be so loyal to Divine and Bobby. And then he's kind of, uh, you know, and we'll find out what happens with the uh, what, what happens at the end, but kind of uh, banging their little sister, Shuri, on the, on the side. And, uh, yeah, that's something that kind of becomes a, a little bit of an issue throughout the show. 
uh, especially on the last episode, uh, whichever way you look at it. But uh, did you want to comment on that, Luke? No, I thought it was very interesting how um, it really does show Goat's face, how intense he is and, you know, how he doesn't really see the sides and all that. And really just – and how he's kind of just – he's, he's not come to grips with, like, he is really good at what he does. He's kind of just thought as a last-minute kind of thing to do. And then when he makes that big hit with his other producer friend, he's only doing it because he's pissed off that – Riza again made a mix with Method Man and all them, so he just does it out of spite and all that. So I do like how they build up a Ghostface character, just really just contemplating. I mean, if if he's talented, I mean he he definitely is, and and everyone always sees it. And you know they they allude through it through throughout the whole season. Why don't you keep on writing? Why'd you give up writing and all that? And his constant battle, and then how he's kind of like he's battling with that, and then battling like you said. Um, you know, he's banging their sister and all that when he's best friends with them and he doesn't really know how to express that. So it's just how intense he is. I just, you know, I liked how they, that whole structure of his character. Yeah. I also really love the actor that played his brother, the one that's always busting his balls, uh, that he's, he was pretty good throughout it. Uh, uh, what, what did you think, Chris, about, you know, some of the stuff we were talking about and anything you want to add? Yeah. I mean, I, one plot device, I think we, we may have, glossed over a little bit is obviously Divine going to prison, but his mom basically convincing him and his uh, lawyer convincing him to plead guilty as a crackhead um, and what that kind of equated to in his time in jail. I think that was a good plot device in the show itself to kind of show Divine's almost fall from grace and status uh, within his crew and uh, within the pe- you know the people that he knew coming up. Which led into you know him once again trying thinking about going back to the streets to the point where he even uh, goes and gets like I, what I want to assume is like a key of coke. Um, so some of that stuff was really great too. Uh, as far as the Ghostface stuff, I mean his, his mother overdosing, Cherie uh, being a big part of his recovery process and helping him out there with everything that was going on, and then him just distancing himself even further, kind of from the group. Um, and and you know his brother is basically talking him back uh, to basically squash the beef with Bobby later on. I think all of that stuff is good. You kind of get to see uh, different aspects of that character, and obviously someone that kind of has a rough go on the show, from his house getting shot up to his mother almost dying, to uh, having to take care of his two little brothers, Bobby fucking around and not helping him sell weed. Uh, <laughs> So, like, if you look at it yeah. from that standpoint, you could you could easily see why he is one of the most pissed off characters in the show. Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, uh, all jokes aside, I think the heaviest episode was on episode six, which we kind of talked about a little bit, you know, leading up to it. Um, obviously, Bobby and and Dennis. Uh, they're 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 doing their weed thing. Uh, their brother, he's trying to first, you know, be a little bit legit. Then he says, "Screw it," like you said, Chris. Goes back into trying to sell again, um, and it kind of ends where they're all at a project. Uh, Met the man is hanging out with Inspector Deck um, up on one of the top levels, looking out, and there's a bunch of people within the parking lot just hanging out and stuff. And uh, what you call Divine. Uh, Bobby's older brother is in another place um, trying to do something illegal, basically. 
But what happens is this character Hayes, like I said, that we had that, you know, he was he was kind of shunned a bit at the uh, the funeral because he was there with Raekwon, uh, even though he was trying to convince everyone he had nothing to do with it. You know, he was kind of guilty by association because he's a supplier, but he still seems like he's looking out for everyone's best interest. And uh, one of the cops that's introduced, uh, African-American cop, um, within the series beforehand, uh, comes for a noise complaint and starts telling off someone. And, and Hayes tries to get involved and help out and try to get everyone calmed down. And this kind of turns the cop on him. Uh, and so words are exchanged. Uh, Hayes calls him. I believe, like an Uncle Tom piece of shit, blah, 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 you know, something on those lines. Uh, the cop goes, pushes him and tries to hit him, and he hits him back, and he gets basically, I don't know if he gets maced or if he just straight up gets put in a chokehold. And while this is going on, you have Divine that just exits the building who who's, like, coming up to that project, basically, seeing what the hell's going on. You see Method Man, who in actuality... In 1994, when Ernest uh, Say, uh, Sayon, who Hayes is based off of, he was actually there. He was literally there. I don't know if he was at, with Inspector Deck or whatever, but he actually witnessed this. And everyone witnessed the cop basically choke Hayes to death and kill him. Well, everyone's freaking out, and that's about it. And it's very heavy-handed. Um, I think it needs to be uh, because of shit like this that's happening. Um that people have to be aware that stuff has been going on like this for a very long time. And uh, it doesn't matter if the police officer is black or white, if they're corrupt and they're fucking terrible like this, willing to kill someone over nothing, basically, when they completely had it. I mean, he knocked them out and decided to keep on going, basically. And I don't know all the details of the event itself, but the fact that it definitely happened, it's it's pretty fucking brutal and you know, an unfortunate part in the show that kind of changed a lot of things. Uh, because of that, Divine decides to be straight and go and get an actual job. And this kind of pivots a lot of their personality to going more towards music, uh, including Method Man, who you get, to little, you get to know a little bit more with his backstory with lacrosse and everything. Like, this really messes with their head a bit. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was some powerful stuff. Uh, Luke, what would you think about the, you know, the moment in Episode 6 where Hayes gets murdered by the cop? Yeah, I'll agree with you. Definitely a powerful moment. I mean, it's just it was it was hard to watch. It's one of those ones where it's like you you don't want to like you know not show it because it's uh, like you said it's definitely happening and all that and you know cops were definitely killing um you know individuals out there on the streets so they definitely didn't want to shy away. Um, I like how you know it's it's everyone's kind of seeing it from different angles. You know, they kind of showed you like you know Method Man's up. And, you know, he's seeing it from a different angle, like, playing out. And and then um, Jizz is kind of seeing it from his and, and all that. So you're getting these, like, different aspects on how it's, like, really, you know, going to affect everyone moving forward. And just, uh, like you said, very powerful episode. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's not one that you want to see. But, you know, I'm glad that they, they did put it in there. And um, it's kind of just, you know, it's one of those ones where just, like, it might not the cop, uh, you know, might not been corrupt, but you know, he's he might be, you know, trying to prove it himself, and he's kind of feeling like he's being disrespected because here he is called to the situation, which was it was a very dumb situation. Why he's there, you know, the whole um, the, those kids cursing at the lady, so she finally called the cops. But 
he's trying to calm the situation down, but they don't really like him. You know, he's from the hood, the, their area too, and they just don't like him. They have no respect for him. And then here comes this guy where he's trying to settle things down and, and look like a higher authority to the cop. And, you know, the cop just feels completely disrespected and all that to where he takes to the point where he goes from he's choking him to he's passing out and he's about to kill him. And, you know, you've got Method Man frantically. He's got a hurt leg. He's frantically trying to get to an angle where he's saying, like, you know, he's not breathing and everything. And no one's really making this move. No one's really stopping because in that time of day, you know, you don't want to be that person that tried to stop it, and now you've got shot. So it's just, you know, it was a very gripping episode. But yeah, it's just Chris, your uh, opinions on it? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys and pretty much everything you said. I, I I do like that they built up Hayes's character as a good guy because we'd seen him previously as this drug dealer working, um, and and they didn't do a good job of like giving us more about him until this episode, which he's former military. Talks about how he can wish back up and serve or wish he could serve. He specifically tells these tells the rapper guys that end up getting the police called on them just fucking with this old lady at the beginning of the episode. So it builds his character to make it mean more when this happens. So from an episode standpoint, I thought that was very good. Um, he gets hit with a taser in the back of the head before this chokehold, and that was the fucked up part. It ha- I had to watch it like twice to see exactly what happened, but I'm pretty sure that's what happens, um, which sucks. Another part, not as gripping as this moment, but there's definitely another – weird scenario where Bobby um, gets jumped and gets his head busted open in the same episode for selling drugs and uh, at a, a mostly white neighborhood or community uh, at this burger joint. When they start talking to this white girl, they get jumped, robbed. That's also in this episode. So the entire episode touches on a lot of different things. And I would say a very well done episode. Uh, even the last shot with the uh, everyone kind of looking on it, looking looking in it like horrified about what just happens, and they just show a single pigeon like fly up into the air, which I it just like kind of a cool shot and moment from the show itself. Oh yeah, that's one thing that I don't think I've I've, I've said it enough of. If whoever they got for the cinematography or the direction for these episodes did an excellent job. Uh, just great visual art. Uh, like you said, the with the pigeon flying off. I mean, it kind of reminded me of like a depressing reverse of Forrest Gump with the feather coming down. You know, like instead Hayes was leaving, if you will. Uh, it's just very, very, uh, very sad episode man but uh like i said i think in a lot of ways this promotes a lot of the characters to change up certain aspects going forward and uh we see a lot of that we do see uh bobby's stepdad uh who's the father to his brother and his sister uh show back up uh, or maybe it's just the brother and the sister and him are from a different father but uh he tells the mom that he wants to take care of her she won't believe him and he said that he wants to provide them with a house that he has outside of New York City, and he has all these plans. And by the end of it, he kind of he pulls it off. Uh, and we have a splitting point with the family, where Bobby and Divine are going to stay at the actual house, and they're going to move uh, with his stepdad uh, into their new place. So they're separate, and we know Ghostface Killer uh, is separate from uh, his, you know, from Bobby's sister. So that aspect is there. Um, and that would kind of come back because she has parts where she has to leave suddenly and she's throwing up and we're like, oh, no. And 
kind of what happens uh, ends up happening towards the end of it. But during this, we see the rise of Prince Rakim. And, uh, you know, that was Riz's uh, basically a label. Uh, oh, and one thing I have to say, one of the most despicable douchebags. Good job on you for acting well uh, in your role. But the guy that played the manager of Riza when he was Prince Rakim, I wanted to punch him in the fucking face. I hated him. He was such a douche and just kept on screwing Riza over, over and over and over again on the fees and just everything. But they go on tour. He brings his two cousins, ODB and and and, uh, and Jizza, with him. And he he doesn't like the look. He doesn't really like the name. He doesn't like a lot of the aspects. He doesn't like the fact that he's not producing. He puts out a single. And Raekwon and Method Man hear it in that record store, and they're kind of like, is that? Like, they, they they couldn't believe it, but it's very, you know, much more poppy and just not RZA. And he can tell throughout this, you know, and they have that awesome part where they're on tour, and uh, he's getting pissed off about certain things with uh, the sound and, you know, being a musician and dealing with a sound person and also have gone to school for sound and actually know what the fuck I'm talking about. I've dealt with someone that doesn't really give a shit. Um, that's always irritating, so I know it on that aspect. And they screw up his shirts and put Prince Rakim, because obviously, you know, uh, which he'll meet Rakim uh, through the episode, but obviously Bobby doesn't realize that there's already a huge rapper from New York called Rakim, and whoever in the uh, department for marketing obviously mixed up the two artists, so all of his T-shirts say the wrong name, He's bitching about it. He literally walks into Rakim, who kind of sits him down and gives him some philosophy, uh, basically with his name. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see this come up with, with Jizza and him and, and, and some of the guys um, within the park later on and stuff like that, with him understanding his name and developing that type of philosophy uh, within himself. And I love that part because, you know, now that people don't know about Rakim, and he's an amazing rapper from, like, the late 80s, early 90s. He ain't no joke. That's all I have to say. And uh, it was cool seeing someone portray him. And I thought it was an awesome episode that everything's going bad and everything finally gets back. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to make this album. And you see the beginning of them making what you hope to be. And this is the thing. It's like, towards the end, I'm like, are they going to make one track? Or what's going on? Like, am I going to be able to see something happen? And they're getting to protect your neck, and that's the whole concept. That's, that's, that's the ending, basically. And during this, right at the beginning, Bobby finds out in his last session that they're, he's getting dropped from his label, his manager's leaving him, and all the money that he made on the road was going in their pockets to pay for the friggin' tour. So he's getting screwed over completely. Uh, the manager, who he had so many issues trying to get him to do, like, you know, he didn't like the single that they were trying to put out. He had an idea for the single. They didn't go with him. They went with their single. And the radio is just completely depleted from, you know, using him. So that's why the label kicked him off. So it's everything that they did that screwed him over. And finally, he kind of like, it looks like he says, fuck it, brings these guys in to do this one last thing. And, uh, you know, there are some issues. We meet <laughs> a character named Attila. But before we get to that, uh, let's let's uh, you know kind of talk a little bit about what I was talking about of uh, Prince Rakim being on the road. Luke, what do you think about all this? No, I mean it was you know it 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 definitely showed you his early stages of you know he finally is going to make some something out of this music thing where he's really just the whole time he's wanted to just put his full time into it. He kind of 
got away from the whole and all that. And he just was really focusing on getting this thing. And he meets that manager. And I'm with you, Dan. That manager just played that typical just asshole manager where you're just like, man, just how many artists back in the day just never really made it because you have these managers who just do all these dumb things. And, you know, really, like like I said at the beginning of the episode, just set him up for, like, failure and all that. And, and the crazy thing is, is, like, Riz is, like, you know, he's, he really is a smart, like, you know, individual and all that. And even his album, how, like, you know, they, they, they're making this song and all that, but he really wants his album cover to stick out. And he's, you know, looking through all, like, the music, you know, because he's just a, a music, you know, he just loves, like, all genres of music and all that. And he's really trying to find something that will, you know, stand out and really, like, you know, show him. So just really just shows that aspect of, you know, Riz's character of how he was really smart and all that, but no one really – you know, believed in him. I mean, even when he's getting dropped um, from the label, he's talking to his manager and he's like, you know, you know, I produce my own beats and all that. And the guy's just like, you know, you're not going to make any money that way. And he doesn't understand that the managers completely just dropped him at that moment of time. But, you know, he's just trying to still make music no matter what. And, um, you know, that whole part where he's breaking that last session where he's, he's just finally like, fuck the, the record label, like everything that they've done, they don't listen to me. Uh, you know, even he sees everything that they're doing. It's just kind of dumb. It's not his style and all that. And he's finally pulling together all these MCs that, you know, all of his friends that he feels like are the sickest, you know, some of the best people together and all that. And they build it up to where, you know, later on you'll find out that they do finally record and, you know, you hear all their verses from that night. But building up to that point, it's just, you know, they're all finally – at one spot, he's finally kind of, you know, all, m- majority of their mindsets are at this point where, you know, they should come together and, you know, and, and make this group because they benefit them all. And, you know, you're just hoping that, you know, that they, they do finally do something. So I do like how they kind of, they kind of alluded to it, but you didn't know until later on, you know, that they do finally, they did make a recording in that. And then, you know, he, he sees it as Wu-Tang and all that. He doesn't, he didn't let them know it yet. He kind of makes the whole Wu-Tang um, when he's at the record label making his last plead with that tape and all that. But, um, yeah, that whole episode, just, just showing just, like, the early stages of the music industry. I mean, he wanted to do whatever it took to, like, make money to actually show something good. That's how, you know, he's, when he's talking to his brother, he's like, you know, I want to be able to show mom that, like, you know, I finally made something of myself. Like, I'm not just a drug dealer, you know. We, we have a house and all that, like. I'm making money the right way and, you know, we've really made it. So it's just how he'll do anything where he's just going against his, you know, his, like his, what he sees, his values in music and, you know, what he really stands for music, but he's going to do whatever it takes to get big. So I like how it did show that. And then, like I said, and later on in the episode, it really does show that terrible music video. And you're just like, God, that must've been just an awful music video in general. Oh yeah, and I kind of you you alluded to it, but like the whole scene of them making the music video and then telling him on the spot all the things, knowing that he probably wouldn't want to do any of it, him having to do, and you know, Ghostface Killer gets there, he's critical about everything. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, you know, it's like this is not you, Bobby. Like, you know, given that whole aspect, and then Raekwon gets there, they don't know about it. He's like, wow, man, you've really made it, blah, 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 blah. Of course, Ghostface Kill and Raekwon see each other, cause a huge scene. 
And, you know, Riz has got to get both of them the hell out of there. And, yeah, the fact that you actually see the music video and find out that that is not bullshit, this actually happened. Rizzo was Prince Rakim at one point and did whatever the label said and ended up getting him fucked over, but at least studio time to record the one song that he had recorded. Chris, what do you think up to this point before we get to the end of the show? Or season, yeah, I think I you guys say. summed it up. Yeah, I think you guys summed it up uh, pretty well for the most part. I, I think the, the biggest thing here is obviously Ghostface showing up and the descent of their friendship, uh, which comes back towards the end uh, very hard with, you know, Ghostface putting his his hatred aside um, and and then coming back together to to uh, join back up um, for for what was an amazing finale of the show itself. This was great. Uh, it makes me think fuck sound guys. Uh, <laughs> that's the first thing I think of when I think of this episode. Um, that and if you watch one episode of the series and one episode only, watch this episode for the armadillo spots in the beginning because that shit is absolutely hilarious uh, with ODB. Um, <laughs> The fuck yeah. is that? <laughs> uh, but God. yeah, I think you guys pretty much covered everything else. But this was a fun episode. I will say it's completely different than the rest of the series. Um, it is uh, like split into chapters. Uh, it's filmed different. There's not any of the gritty street side of what the rest of the series is. So it is a little different, but it is it kind of important to the overall story. So I, I actually like this episode a lot from an artistic standpoint and, and what they did. All right, and now Bobby gets himself into some shit that he had nothing to do with because after getting screwed over the label, there's this new psychopath called Attila. Uh, whoever the hell that guy is, man, he should be a pro wrestler. He just looks like a fucking giant bulldog. Um, but this guy that gets out of jail, uh, the whole neighborhood's scared of him. I mean, he's got this presence to him. He even beats the crap out of his driver. Um, and he finds out through people talking about the Prince Rakim album, how much money he made. And, you know, Bobby at one point lied about it because he didn't want to tell people that he made no money off of it because they took all of it from him. So he makes up some number. Those kids project it. Attila hears it, goes to freaking Bobby's house, destroys the crap out of it, takes all of his musical equipment, is going to keep it up and wants his money, basically, the amount of money that he thinks that Prince Rakim made for his album. Uh, when Ghostface Killer finds out, he decides to help him out and let bygones be bygones. They're still brothers. They're going to help each other out. And uh, we find out that basically the sister, she got the hell out of there. Uh, you know, she's coming back to New York. Like, like I said, we saw her throwing up uh, at different times. So, you know, kind of going to the concept that she may be pregnant. And, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of getting towards the end. We're seeing – the actual production of Protect Your Neck and everyone doing their spot. And even Bobby says, you know, this before that they're cool. Uh, but even Bobby tries to tell Ghostface Killer, you know, if you can come in. He actually writes something down. He's going over that. So maybe he was added later on or whatever we're supposed to believe. But you get to see all the guys reciting all the parts. They do all a great job. You can tell it's their voice. And uh, it's it's a fun episode with a really cliffhanger to the end of the season with Attila wanting his money, telling Bobby to meet him, him and Ghostface Killer deciding, all right, well, we're going to have to take this guy out because nothing else is going to work. This guy's fucking crazy. Bobby at one point before that tries to go over and persuade him by using his intelligence. Attila's not hearing it. 
and tells them to fuck off, basically. So they're like, we're going to have to kill him. And that's about it. And while they're waiting for Attila, after, after Ghostface kind of watches where he goes, while that's happening, cut to throughout the whole episode, this lady finds the Wu-Tang uh, tape, you know, shows to a couple of friends. They're like, who the hell is this? It's blowing up around it. She's acting like they're, they're you know, she's their manager trying to get official Everything's becoming big. You hear this hype with this Wu-Tang tape, and, like, you hear the track. It's, it's, it's going on the radio already. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's getting out there. And uh, also, uh, whatchamacallit, Bobby's sister sees Ghostface Killer, tries to get his attention. They're about – they're literally trying to set up Attila from planning and plotting of where he was to shoot him. Bobby's waiting with a friggin' gun, and she lets Ghostface Killer know, oh, I'm pregnant. And then Bobby shoots Attila and doesn't kill him, and he can't actually shoot him in the face. He can't go through with it. It's not in his being. So that's how we end the friggin' series, and great, great way to end it. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the, the future, and I think that every, all the characters that they had were so fleshed out by the end of this. Everything had meaning. All the side characters were important. All the, the, the bigger characters were extremely important. And they just told a good story. Each episode kind of had its own feel, which, which makes sense when you have different writers and different directors for each episode. Um, but the characters remained the same, and I really appreciated that about it. But, Luke, what did you think about the ending? And anything that you can think of that I forgot of, if you want to throw it in there. No, I thought this was the best way to definitely end it. Like, you said, um, like I said earlier, I would have been really mad because you kind of saw – the whole when, like you were saying, um, when the hit the music, uh, the little tape that she gets, and then she makes the better sound quality. She's like, man, it's some bad quality and all that. And and I was really just hoping, you know, it's not gonna, you know, them blowing up and all that. What it's gonna lead us to. So it's definitely the the cliffhanger of, you know, he just shot them. They're getting out. They're riding the bus home back to Cleveland. So I thought that, you know, just leaving us right there. Definitely ready for season two. It had me just, I just was denying, like, you know, just. 10 episodes was really short, so I was just like, no, this can't be it, you know, it would be a great way, but I just really want them to continue doing it. I mean, you definitely can see where the next season's going. Um, I thought, too, was really cool is um, where, you know, um, Riz is already kind of, you know, Wu-Tang's, you know, what they're going to be called, but he hasn't really told anyone that, and you kind of see at the same time where him and Ghostface are, like, kind of on the same level of, like, you know, like, we should like Ghostface is, um, calls him that one time before he's like, you know, we really should, or he's um, talking to, I want to say um, his MC friend. I don't think it's Inspector Deck, but uh, he's uh, talking to his MC friend. He's like, you know, we, it'd be really cool to throw in some like, you know, karate and all that. Like you're actually throwing in like what Wu-Tang does where they actually have these martial arts films, like in the middle of like their songs and all that and how he kind of sees that. But he hasn't like, he hasn't talked to RZA at this point. And so they're not kind of like linked up, but it's like showing that, you know, that the whole Wu-Tang Clan's coming together and, and how two of the members are really seeing, you know, we should do it like this and all that. And then them finally showing their verses and all that, getting in, um, you know, spin, you know, at that last mic session that they had in when they, they think they're, they're done. But Bobby's like, you just, I need one last person because he just knows that the last, best person that he knows to, you know, MC wise is Ghostface and he doesn't want to make the song final until he has his point. But, you know, they're still at that 
where they're not really talking to each other. Ghostface hasn't come to that point where he finally steps up and beats the bigger man and just says, screw all this dumb shit. And then he finds out that, you know, Bobby, Bobby's been mugged and all that. And just shows you kind of how his loyalty, um, you know, to that whole family is where, you know, he, he, he was mad at them and all that. And he decided to be the bigger man and all that. And then finds out that his friend's just been robbed and instantly just ready to go, you know, ready to just get back to this guy and get, you know, Bobby's music back. Cause he knows just, how much that means to him. I mean, it's not something that, you know, where, you know, you lose some music and all that. This is, you know, his discography and all that. So these beats mean a lot to him. So he's just ready to just ride or die at that point. So I thought it was just the whole episode, just a great way to end the series or for season one. I smoke on the mic like smoking Joe Fraser, the Hellraiser, raising hell with the flavor. Chris, what did you think about the ending? Uh, anything that we forgot that you can include, you know, just your highlights of the ending of Wu-Tang and American Saga. The only thing that, that you guys kind of glossed over is Ghostface sitting in a room and watching the video that he borrows from Bobby at the very beginning for, like, I, I don't know, a hundred times straight which is what convinces him to kind of squash the beef with Bobby, that and his, uh, his brothers. So that, that scene itself is really great when they're subtitling the martial arts, not subtitling, but dubbing the martial arts movie with how they would talk to one another, which is pretty fucking, that, that part alone is phenomenal. Um, yeah, I like the ending. Obviously it sets up Attila in the future. Um, and, you know, the bus ride home at the very end, once again, another good uh, shot cinematography-wise. Um, good episode overall. It's kind of, uh, you're like, well, I guess Divine's just in New York by itself, so I think that sets up, you know, whatever's going to happen with Attila for the next season if they go that route. So from that standpoint, it's it's all it's all gravy, man. I'm excited to see where they go with it, and I, I really enjoyed the season overall. Like I said, the first two episodes were a little slow, but outside of that, every episode being slightly different, um, the character development with all of the different characters, like all the different characters, the... Um, I believe it's – there's also a scene we didn't talk about that's set up kind of on the opposite side where there's – he's rapping with the uh, Jamaican drug lord whose name escapes me right now uh, and, you know, kind of his his guy, the guy he works underneath, comes in and saves it because he's like, I knew some shit. Yeah. Started seeing them, which was a great, like, plot device in that show. So it's going to see – it's going to be good to see how that comes back up too because uh, – you know, obviously it was a sting operation that they kind of got out of, but he also told him to keep his eye on the ball. Uh, and, and you get to see the group split up because you are assuming that Riza and Ghostface and Cherie are headed to, I believe it's Ohio, um, with uh, Bobby's little brother's father and his mother. So, you know, now they're split across the, the country. So what, what happens to Wu-Tang from here? And I hope the answer is, you know, he comes back and we get Stretch and Bobito show from New York. <laughs> we, we get to build those characters because I think they would be really fun to see in the show, especially being so big into the beginning of the uh, New York rap scene with, with their radio show. Um, and I think they kind of alluded to it a little bit with a college radio station uh, with, with that mixtape with the girls out there slinging to different producers. So I, I'm looking forward to, to, to what happens next for sure. Yeah, man, uh, definitely should be extremely interesting. And uh, I was just, I, I was a big fan. I mean, uh, the show was very well done. 
like I said, if you didn't know anything about Wu-Tang Clan, which I don't know why you would watch it if you didn't, but you still really didn't have to know that much about them because they were able to make these characters fleshed out throughout telling a story. And rap and this hip-hop group was like the backdrop. It wasn't the main concept. It was just like their lives and what happens. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the next season. So as we break this down, I'm going to go to all of you guys. There's three questions. From one to five, what do you rate the first season? Second question being, what would you like to see for the next season specifically? You know, we have Rizzo, uh, Jizza, Inspector D- uh, Deck, Old Dirty Bastard, Ghostface Killer, Method Man, and Raekwon. Obviously, you know, I don't know when they come in, but you have You God, you have Master Killer, Capodonna. You know, there's other members that haven't even been introduced. Uh, there's other things that they can do throughout the series itself. Um, I don't know how long they decide to go, but what would you like to see? You know, what what do you rate this on a one to five? What would you like to see the next season, uh, if anything? And what is another rap group, rap artist? Maybe if you have a couple, just list a couple that you would like to see in a format like this, where it's a a mini series as opposed to a you know a one to a one and a half to three hour movie. Uh, Luke, let's start with you. Put you on the spot. Um. I would give it a, a four. Um, I, I, I like. I want to lean to four or five, but it's it's a really good um, series. Uh, like you said, a lot of the first seasons, um, you know, any type of show, the, it can be a little slow at first. But I do think they picked it up, and um, it's one of those uh, series too where the character development. I felt like it was like a kind of a Stranger Things season one where. They just did so well at the beginning of these character developments, and you just get so invested in each of the different stories. So I don't want to, you know, overhype and just give the the 4.5, so I'll give it a, a you know, solid 4. Um, next season, I'm just really hoping that, again, they don't jump into, because, like I was saying, Wu-Tang's career, like, they all, it, it just blows up quickly. So I'm hoping, you know, that there's a couple of episodes where, they're in uh, Cleveland, but they don't know that their their hits blowing up in New York and all that, and it's you know it's going to take them all individually, you know, to figure it out, and then really just to build that like that whole album, that whole making of that first album of like really just making it into the masterpiece that it is. I mean, just a phenomenal just first album. So just really just getting into that, and then maybe having the last one they're about to release the album, maybe even getting signed, you know, and all that. So I still want it to be a little bit kind of still slow. I don't want it to instantly blow up. I just kind of want them to, you know, have some more um, seasons to make out of this. And then if I could see another group, I would really like just because of where Atlanta hip hop is right now, them to do dungeon family where it's, it's not just, you know, it's not just one group, but it's just, you know, the whole outcast, UGK, you know, all that in, you know, in, in, in Atlanta and where we're at right now in hip-hop in Atlanta because, I mean, we're definitely, you know, it's blown up to where it is. So I think that the whole Dungeon family would be a cool little series to do of them in, in East Atlanta. And, and, I feel you. Uh, what, what do you think, Chris? Uh, same three questions, right? From one to five, what do you want to see next season and what – other rap group or artists would you like to see in this type of series format? Yeah, I mean, I guess 
I'm, this doesn't mean that I dislike the show, but I'm gonna put it on a, like a high scale of three, like a three point seven. I think they're they're they've built the characters a lot. I think there's a lot they could do, and there's episodes that I definitely would probably give a five to. Um, but the series overall, I thought was really good. I did enjoy it, so I'm not trying to like give it a shitty rating or anything. Um, as far as uh, what I would like to see, obviously I want to see how this plays out with Attila. I assume the Divine is going to be involved in this, and and how that's going to play into his character, just because he's the one that's there in New York still. Um, and I definitely want to see the song blow up while they're in Ohio. I'm assuming that that's what happened. I don't know for sure. Uh, and then the group coming together um, and basically settling their differences, some of which that still exist. Uh, so, yeah, all, all of that stuff. Um, I, and, and I guess just like a short thing, just because I thought it was, I would be, it would be great is to see um, maybe some of the Stretch and Bobito stuff, their early days where they're getting into the studio with all of these different rappers that they would bring on. So maybe you get it introduced to like a big pun or another big New York rapper that would have been starting uh, during this time period. I think that would be fun to see as well. It doesn't have to be like a whole episode, but just like some cameo appearance, appearances and, and some different things like that. And uh, maybe even Redman at some point. Uh, obviously he's from Jersey, so that's, would be the deficiency, but he was on the stretch of my show quite a bit. So uh, I think all that stuff would be fun. Um, and I guess the biggest thing is just seeing the group slowly come together. And I look forward to seeing that, especially now the characters are established uh, as far as rap groups. I would want to see um, a dungeon family outcast, those two, you know, goody mob, like that group in general, all of that. I, I agree with that. That would be probably the number one, uh, obviously we're from, uh, I'm from Atlanta, so that would be the one I would relate to the most. If I had another outside one, uh, or I'll, I can give you two real quick, uh, Three Six Mafia, I think they're a very interesting group, and I, I <laughs> seeing any kind of documentary about <laughs> Juicy J would be good. Um, and then Bone Thugs and Harmony. Uh, I, I think Bone Thugs don't necessarily get enough love, and uh, especially because they yeah. are very, very, very fucking unique. Uh, if you look at around the rap landscape and what they were doing during that time period, also making songs with like Biggie and the Tupacs of the day, as well as doing tracks with like Mariah Carey. So that in itself would be uh, be a very, very interesting one for, for me for sure. So that that's my uh, three answers, I guess. Yeah, uh, I like it. Um, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it a 4.5. I really enjoyed the show. Um, I think that anything uh, you know, the negatives was definitely outweighed by a lot of positives, and I thought they had a lot of episodes that were just completely maybe wanting the next episode, which I think is your biggest uh, thing when you're a series, especially if you're not doing, if not releasing it all at once, trying to get those people to come back the next week to check it out. Um, I just, I, I enjoyed it. I love, I love New York hip hop. I love hip hop in general. So learning about this. And, and kind of getting that type of bird's eye view of the whole entire thing was a lot of fun. And I just love what they incorporate. These guys are, these guys are dorks. I could have a conversation with Riza about comic books. I know it for a long time. He's, I know he's got knowledge. He loves video games and martial arts movies. I used to watch those when I was younger. So um, I dug the shit out of this next season. Obviously them, the Attila stuff needs it to. We need to find out what happens. I think it makes a lot of sense, like you said, Chris, to get Divine involved on that, and and maybe that will. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's gonna what what's gonna happen exactly from it. But I want to see them make the rest of Thirty Six Chambers. 
You know, I want to I want to see them make cream. You know, I want them to make them uh, Method Man. I want them to start trying to go for their next album. I want RZA to become a producer mind and become big within the music world and, you know, kind of slowly get them from being this big hit that comes out with Protect Your Neck to being a dominant rap force from Staten Island, from, from, from uh, whatchamacallit, from New York, along with all the other amazing artists out there. And I guess that kind of brings me to what I'd like to see um, – if they if they do another series, there's two in general. You guys you guys already represented Atlanta, so I'll let you have that. Obviously, I'd love to see anything with the Dungeon Family over at Stanconia, um, with Outcast and Goody. But I'm gonna throw two that make a lot of sense, and that is Public Enemy, and also Tribe Called Quest. Tribe's got a very different vibe for their music. Uh, the group that they came from, I forgot what the name of it is, but it also had Jungle Brothers and um, and Aretha Frank, not Aretha Franklin, uh, Queen Latifah and MC Light and a lot of other great artists uh, were in the same scene, KRS-One. There's an artist, honestly, with his story you can make a whole entire series about, too, that a lot of people don't know about. But Public Enemy sounds like something that would be aggressive and fun, kind of like if you took straight out of Compton but made a series out of it. So uh, all that stuff intrigues me. I love learning about hip-hop. Uh, Chris, when I pass it to you when we're uh, doing our, our wonderful exits, also name that document series that you were talking about. So not only I can check it out, but anyone that checked out the series that hasn't got a chance to can see it. But if you guys want to also check out something, you got Netflix, Hip Hop Evolution, man. Great bio series. Each episode is from a different time. Starts off in the late 70s. Goes all the way and starting to get into 2000s with last season. Last episode was ATL. So they went over everything from TLC to the Jermaine Dupri to Outcast to Goody Mob to everything. So that was awesome. But great series. They have an episode about New York and Wu-Tang Clan is a huge chunk of it. So I definitely recommend that. Definitely recommend Wu-Tang and American Saga. Thank you guys for joining Monday Suck. Before I let my two awesome co-hosts close out, uh, just like I said before, Go to geekvibesnation.com. There you can find news for wrestling, for comic books, for music. Well, not music. We should probably do some music. Movies, uh, all are there. And links to our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at geekvibesnation.com. That's geekvibesnation. Uh, and look us up, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, on all audio platforms as far as iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. We're all there. Um, yeah, and... Thank you guys for listening. If you guys listen live on Blog Talk, we appreciate it. I uh, really enjoyed the show. I'm glad to finally do a review for it. And uh, thank you, my wonderful co-host for today. Uh, Luke, uh, sign off to the great people. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, pleasure doing this with the two of you guys. Um, definitely check out this series if you guys haven't, all the listeners. Um, like I said, great, um, great series. Uh, Another fun one, um, The Get Down, that was on Netflix. That's another great one about early hip-hop. So definitely, you know, anything that's music-related, I always like to just watch it, just, on, you know, learn learning that. And then um, check out by uh, this Thursday, check out um, this uh, upcoming week of NBA Geekly. Absolutely. Chris, any last words? Any yeah, I guess there's words? two documents. <laughs> the two documentaries that I think I referenced in this show would be the Stretch and Bobito documentary, which is called Radio That Changed Lives. The other is of Mike's and Men, which is a, a Wu-Tang Showtime docuseries, which is a great watch as well. 
Um, Dave's already plugged Wrestling Geeks Alliance two shows, one Thursday and another one on Saturday. And then, like I said, Skates and Throats will be up. Probably, it's looking like it's probably going to be tomorrow morning, but that should be up. Lots of good stuff there. If you're a hockey fan, make sure you check it out. If you're a wrestling fan, make sure you check it out. Um, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter, or if you're a Facebook person, you can hit me at Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook for any questions, whether it's about rap or hockey or basketball or football, whatever, or not basketball, but I mean, we can talk about basketball, but uh, I'm kind of disappointed in my Hawks right now. Uh, there's some drug scandals going on apparently. So uh, I don't want to really talk about that, but uh, <laughs> all jokes aside. Yeah. Uh, pass it back over to you, Dane. I hope everybody has a great night. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, if you haven't checked out the Wu-Tang, hopefully you didn't listen to this entire show. Uh, <laughs> but if you did, congratulations. You made it through the spoilers. Yeah, and good job to you if you did that. But, yeah, there you go. Three Caucasians, uh, you know, reviewing Wu-Tang, an American saga. Who knew? But, yeah, fuck yeah, hip-hop. Good shit. Thank you, guys. Everyone out there for listening, check me out in not this next Monday, but the following Monday. Uh, I'll be back at 6 p.m. EST for another episode of Monday Suck. Already went over Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And uh, remember – Cash rules everything around me. Remember that. Hopefully we get to that next season of Wu-Tang and American Saga. Until then, peace out, and let the geek fives be with you. Thank you guys so much.